Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. The FDA has given full approval to the Pfizer COVID vaccine, and on this episode, Bishop talks about vaccine mandates and possible exemptions to those mandates. But first, he talks about what's going on in Afghanistan and Haiti and ways we can help. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop. Thank you again for joining us, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, we're going to be talking about vaccine mandates today. And we've talked about vaccines in the past. And you mentioned that you gotten the vaccine. I myself have also gotten the COVID-19 vaccine. How are you with needles in general? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind needles at all. Some people really I, I got, get worked up I, about that. You know, with bad asthma as a kid, I was getting shots all the time. So like... That was like part of my life growing up. Uh huh. Yeah. Inhalers? Not, you know, back then that... they, they really didn't have okay. good inhalers like they do today. Uh-huh. Back then I used to get weekly shots. Um, huh. I don't even know what it was that the shots did, but <laughs> I guess they helped. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't remember using inhalers. Uh, okay. Well, before we get into vaccine mandate and the, the debate that's been going on with that, uh, there's a f- few kind of current event things that I thought maybe you would have some thoughts on. The Afghanistan, of course, is is kind of uh, very crazy right now. And then Haiti going through, well, a while back, the assassination of their president, and then now the earthquake. So yeah. any thoughts on either of these? Well, they're both heartbreaking. Um, Afghanistan, after, you know, our country being there for 20 years and that the government fell so quickly and Taliban gained control so quickly is, you know, is pretty shocking. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of all the lives that have been lost in the past uh, 20 years, um, American military lives, but also Afghan, Afghans, uh, civilians and thousands. Um, And yet we're now at a kind of a similar place that we were 20 years ago. We just have to hope and pray that it doesn't become fertile ground for terrorists again. Mm But besides that, the people themselves, you know, those who um, so many of the Afghan people who appreciated the liberties that they that they had these past since the United States was there. Those liberties are now being curtailed. We'll have to see what happens. But especially the uh, for women and girls, Mm -hmm. education, jobs, et cetera. So it really it's kind of hard to believe in the year 2021 that that there's such a repressive state with. um, this one brand of Islam, uh, the, the laws, et cetera, that are so discriminatory. But yeah, I don't know what where there's light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to Afghanistan. Right. But we pray for the people, and I hope a lot of those, you know, continue to be able to get out. Those mm-hmm. who assisted our U.S. troops or companies that um, people whose lives may be in danger because they cooperated with the U.S. and our allies. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so tragic when you think about it, if their lives are at risk. I'm actually a hopeful person, but I don't see much light yeah. at the end of the tunnel here with the Taliban in control. So we just continue to to hope and to pray. And U.S. military isn't in Afghanistan right now, but CRS I assume, you know, that's they... a good question. I don't think CRS was ever... I, I don't think we were in Afghanistan. Okay. I could be wrong. You know, some of those Islamic countries really weren't open to Christian sure. aid organizations. Um, 
You know, we were involved in other countries like uh, Syria and Iraq and that, but I don't think we were involved in Afghanistan. Okay. All right. And then Haiti, uh, CRS is definitely in Haiti. Oh, we've been on the ground there for many years. We were very involved after the last devastating earthquake. Uh, as you know, I think I spoke about my trip there with CRS a few years ago mm -hmm. and, and uh, so impressed by the programs that CRS was accomplishing there. It's such a poor country, the poorest nation in the Western hemisphere. We had so many, have so many good projects going on there that are helping people make a living and uh, have a livelihood, uh, programs in agriculture and programs to help youth. Besides our emergency relief efforts, we did, we're doing a lot to help build the, the country, including the rebuilding of a very good hospital in Port-au-Prince. So CRS has been a really major NGO, uh, a major charitable organization in Haiti, and the commitment of our staff there is incredible. So since we were already on the ground, we got right to work. CRS yeah. got right to work after the recent earthquake, which, again, a devastating toll of lives lost. And now we're in that process, you know, the emergency relief, but also helping again to rebuild. It's mm -hmm. And of course, Haiti then got hit last week by, you know, a tropical storm right. on top of everything. Yeah. So a lot of dioceses, including ours, I've decided we'll have a special collection in uh, on a weekend in September okay. for relief for Haiti. Actually, the collection is for the Bishop's Emergency Relief Fund because... I imagine most of it will go to help Haiti, but if there's another hurricane in another country, some money, because yeah. we can't, it's hard to keep taking up special collections, so we have a special fund for these disasters. Okay. So primarily this collection in September will be for relief aid in Haiti and for the ongoing recovery efforts, which will be, it's primarily Catholic relief services. Okay. But we do give some money to local dioceses too, because for church needs, mm -hmm. going beyond humanitarian needs. Humanitarian needs really come first because people's lives, but also there are situations where the local diocese, you know, churches have been destroyed or whatever. So we want to help them too in rebuilding. And, and our people are always so generous, the people of our diocese, when there are special collections like this. Okay. And so CRS is Catholic Relief Services. Their website is crs.org, and there's information about Haiti right there. Whenever you go to the website, that's the, the main thing that they're uh, you know, promoting right now. But then the special collection, I imagine if you donate online, you could probably still do that through your parish or through the diocese? Correct. Correct. Okay. And I, you know, September 4th, 5th is the, I gave that option to the parishes that that would be a good weekend. But if they, if it conflicts with something, I gave them another possible weekend uh, two weeks after that, which I think is 17th, 18th. The reason that for that is we already have the Catholic Communications Campaign collection on September 11th, 12th. So okay. you have to always watch that we don't double schedule. So, um, so I really left up to pastors to choose between those two weekends. So yeah, I invite all the listeners to make a special sacrifice for the people of Haiti, financial sacrifice, but also, you know, to pray to please pray for the people in their suffering. Mm -hmm. uh, pray for those who are have lost their lives, and but the families who mourn for them. They're resilient people. It's amazing with all the disasters that have happened on that island and the terrible poverty. They're resilient. Their faith remains. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, am, I find it remarkable. Yeah. All right. Well, people 
can, again, go to crs.org or donate at your local parish or through the diocese to support those. Today's topic, though, talking about vaccine mandates. We've talked about the ethics of vaccines in the past, uh, April 29th, 2020. We did an episode and December 2nd, 2020 was another episode. We'll have links to those in the show notes for this episode. We haven't talked about the ramifications of mandating that people receive the vaccine and how that might tie into Catholic social teaching. Maybe before we get into that, could you just give us a short abbreviated version of the ethics of the current COVID-19 vaccines and, and the church's stance on that? Yeah. I mean, it's very clear from Pope Francis, the Vatican, the bishops of the world, the USCCB, the committee I chair, the Committee on Doctrine, we've said repeatedly that there should be no problem in conscience with receiving one of the COVID vaccines, mm -hmm. that it is morally licit to receive. And we've actually encouraged the receiving of the vaccinations mm -hmm. for the common good, for the sense of love of self, but love of neighbor, for the protection of, of people's health. And um, just last week, Pope Francis launched a powerful appeal for people to get vaccinated with the approved COVID-19 vaccines, and he called it an act of love. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. Um, this is the way to herd immunity, yeah. you know, is, is through vac these vaccinations. It's very simple, but it's a profound way to care for one another, especially the most vulnerable. So there was a video last week, the Pope plus several cardinals and archbishops from across the Americas, including our own Archbishop Gomez of Los Angeles, the president of the USCCB, encouraging the reception of the vaccines. Mm -hmm. Now the, the debate, you know, it seems like there's always uh, controversy these last two years when it comes to the to COVID, it's, it's getting a little tiring. Yeah. The debate now is what you know, when the government mandates mm -hmm. vaccines, um, we have not only the government, but we've had Catholic healthcare systems and Catholic universities that have mandated vaccinations. Mm -hmm. And uh, some have had uh, conscience uh, exemptions. Certainly, I would say that there needs to be an exemption for health reasons. If there's a medical contraindication that someone shouldn't receive a vaccine because of their medical condition. There are some cases like that. I mean, there mm -hmm. has to be that exemption. Okay. For those re relatively small percent of the population, very small percent of the population, that healthcare experts, doctors would say they shouldn't get a vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, now, I don't remember what exactly they are, but depending on one's health, there are you know, but that's that's a really small, very small minority. But there has to be that kind of exemption, I think. Okay. But the bigger debate is about whether there should be mandates at all. Mm -hmm. And here's where you know we've seen. I mean, it's pretty heated debate. Um, I've seen in the news, even among Catholics, even among bishops, mm -hmm. have different opinions on this. There is one diocese, at least, that. Maybe there's more, but one that I know of that they are mandating vaccines for all their employees. Would that include schools, Catholic uh, schools? Teachers well? and all that, yeah. Hmm. I think it's uh, one of the Texas dioceses. Um, Interesting. We have not had a mandate here. You know, I haven't made a mandate, um, but I've strongly encouraged the vaccinations. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think that's basically what most of us have done, have strongly encouraged. The bishops of Colorado and the two bishops of South Dakota, along with the Catholic Medical Association and the National Catholic Bioethics Center, have spoken out against vaccine mandates. Not against the vaccine, Not against but the against vaccine. the mandate. Mandate, okay. right. And basically, their argument is on the basis of individual conscience. They assert that every person has the right and obligation to follow their own conscience in deciding whether to be vaccinated. Now, on the other hand, there are other Catholic organizations and bishops who have said that, no, there, there isn't a problem with mandating vaccines. Mm-hmm. And their argument would be this is for the common good, that it's really even a pro-life issue. Mm-hmm. A society needs to take proportionate measures. I'm going to underline that word, proportionate measures, to curtail the spread of a deadly virus and its mutation into even more virulent and deadly forms. Right which has been happening with the Delta variant. It's interesting, for example, Cardinal Dolan and a few others have said that if, um, that they will not provide religious exemptions. If if people, Catholics want to have a letter saying that they should be exempted because for religious reasons, they're saying no, Mm -hmm. the Catholic church doesn't have a problem with the vaccine. So we can't testify that they should get a religious exemption for this. So you can imagine the debate. It's kind of political in some ways because it's kind of right versus left, I guess, ideology. Mm -hmm. But there is a divide among Catholics and even among bishops in the United States about whether individuals should be required to, to have a vaccine or should they have the right and conscience to decline it. I've listened to both sides. Um, I've listened to Pope Francis. He said that, I mean, the Holy Father has said it, uh, spoken of a moral obligation to be vaccinated for COVID-19 unless one has a medical uh, reason not to. So, I mean, at least from what I can tell, the Pope is said, I, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for Pope Francis, uh-huh. but I guess how I would interpret Pope Francis is that I don't think he would have a problem with the mandate. Yeah. In other countries, this isn't very controversial, hmm. which is a really interesting thing. In Catholic countries where there's this strong emphasis on the common good, there's not this opposition to vaccines or vaccine mandates. Hmm. And that's the argument from those who are have no problem with the mandate, that this is a matter of the common good. This is basic, fundamental Catholic moral teaching, social doctrine. So why is this such a huge issue in the United States? Because it's a very individualistic culture. Right. Okay. So it's a lot about personal freedom, mm-hmm. my individual rights. There's a kind of a subjectivism there. I mean, you even see that in those, the right to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, this is my right. This is a woman's right. Uh, that's very un-Catholic. Right. Which is ironic because those are probably... <laughs> Like, again, politically, those are opposing sides. The ones that say it's my right to have an abortion or my right to not get the vaccine, stereotypically speaking, tends to be opposite sides of the political spectrum. Right, right. 
I think, I mean, this is, is tough because I'll get a slew of letters and taking sides. <laughs> but, you know, in many ways, the, uh, the way I think about it is I do believe that, there, that uh, people shouldn't be forced normally to receive a vaccine mm-hmm. unless there are proportionate reasons. Okay. That so would be what that I was the, That was the word you underlined earlier. Yes. I mean, I've thought about this a lot. Okay. Are we at that point now in our country with the COVID uh, pandemic that there are truly proportionate reasons for mandating it um, because of the spread now and, and the variants mm-hmm. that are we ever going to get to herd immunity if people aren't get you know, if not, if enough people aren't getting vaccinated? I don't intend to do a mandate, but I would still encourage people mm-hmm. to get a vaccine. Now, a lot of people are getting their information about vaccines from all kinds of websites or blogs right. and all that. That's creating part of the problem. Right. And uh, they're believing a lot of misinformation. And they don't trust the CDC or mm-hmm. healthcare health professionals in this area. We've gotten to that point where there's just so much distrust of authority, including healthcare authorities. You know, I think we just have to get the truth out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyhow, as I said, I think a vaccine mandate should contain at least a medical exemption. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually a religious or conscientious exemption, but, but if it's for proportionate reasons, as if things are not getting better, a mandate I think could be justified by by Catholic teaching. Is some of the concern by maybe even those that have been vaccinated are encouraging others to get vaccinated but don't want the mandate, is there concern that this is a slippery slope, that once the government demands one thing without a religious exemption, then what else could they potentially require that we would object to morally? Yeah, I mean, I think that's legitimate. I mean, we've seen some erosion of religious liberty already. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're very leery about any infringements on religious liberty, but we've never considered religious freedom to be absolute. In other words, you can't, I mean, when it comes to public health and public good, you know, you don't have absolute freedom. I mean, there are traffic laws we have to obey and everything right. else. So one can't use uh, religious faith that way. Um, yeah, I think you don't want to go down that slippery slope. And that's why I'm very careful in how I'm, pro- I'm using that word proportionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, when you think about the purpose of government, and I think this is something that uh, we as Catholics, it's right there in the catechism, that it's the role of the state to defend and promote the common good of civil society. This is the constant tradition of the church, including St. Thomas Aquinas. We don't want it to be too intrusive or overreach into individuals' lives. So I think that's where you have to watch the slippery slope that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we don't go along with that radical individualism and in saying that there's no social ethic, that it's just a purely individual morality. No, there's... There's this strong link. I mean, Pope Benedict was really strong on this between life ethics and social ethics. So we need to have employ, uh, through our government, proportionate measures to protect people. 
uh, and to promote the common good. And it, you know, this is a matter of prudential reasoning and even in the formation of consciences is really important here. I wonder those who, who oppose vaccinations, how their consciences have been formed because the church has given teaching on this, mm-hmm. that a Catholic can in good conscience receive the vaccines. So are they just not, are they just disagreeing or rejecting that analysis by the Pope and the bishops of the world? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. And I guess a a mandate isn't, I I think sometimes they talk like this is the first time or the only thing that we're ever mandated to do, but school children are mandated to get certain vaccines before they go to school. Or if you go to a foreign country, you might have to get different, you know, hepatitis shots. I, I don't know all the Right. I'm not a medical expert. But even this isn't vaccines, but we're mandated to wear a seatbelt. Right. You know, if you, if you drive, if you choose to drive. So I, I guess the church is okay with, with these. Yeah. Right? We haven't, yeah. nobody's asking for a religious exemption to wear a seatbelt. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard the argument, and this is that, that heresy of fideism that I talked about, this kind of idea that, oh, we just have to trust in God. Well, God gave us a a human reason. Yeah. So if one says, well, I'm not going to wear a seatbelt because I just trust that God's going to protect me, that's just so un-Catholic. Yeah. You know, he gave us reason. But you hear that even with the the vaccine. Mm -hmm. You know, well, I just, God will protect me. Well, God has given us intelligence. We should see this as a, a way to to protect people mm-hmm. and their lives. So some have compared this to di- discrimination, that if you have a vaccine passport or whatever, that you're discriminating against those without it. If you say, you can't enter my restaurant, for example, if you haven't had your vaccine. Is there a difference between just discrimination and unjust discrimination? Like, is there a certain type of discrimination that's okay? We kind of use that word. Sure. Sure. In, in an inappropriate way sometimes. I, uh, yeah. I mean, it's important to make that distinction. I mean, we use it in relationship, for example, to homosexual persons that we consider not allowing same-sex couple to marry as you could call that just discrimination. Because why? Why is that just? Because marriage is, by its very nature, between one man and one woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it it's not a right of two people of the same sex so they would claim it's discrimination i mean the church is accused of of uh, bigotry uh-huh. because of our teaching on marriage that's between one man and one woman and we would respond no this is this is just discrimination i mean when you read the catechism the church condemns all unjust discrimination against homosexual persons mm-hmm it's getting into a whole other area, right. but I think it's the same. But we would discriminate on age as well. So eight-year-olds can't get married. Right, right. And we'd yeah. say that's just discrimination. Right, yeah. That's another example. Yeah. So in this case, if a, a business wanted to refuse somebody that hasn't been vaccinated to come into their building, whether it be an employee or a patron, would you say that that is just? They, 
well, they should have the ability you know, to do I, that. I think there's also other means of protecting. I'm not real keen on that kind of... I, I, I don't know that I would say that's just discrimination okay. because there are other ways of protecting, like wearing a mask and maintaining social distance. Okay. If you have questions for Bishop, you can call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And we have a listener-submitted question about revenge versus justice. Coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has a special mission to serve the Catholic Church in America. In 2020 alone, we've served over 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. We are a member-owned, not-for-profit cooperative, working hard to create a national Catholic financial alternative to the for-profit banks. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman asking questions that you've submitted for Bishop to answer. Today's question, what are the differences between revenge, restitution, punishment, and justice? For example, how would these apply to a criminal convicted of a crime? Uh, That's a good question. I mean, I think these distinctions are quite important. We are against revenge. Okay. Revenge means you are you're really motivated by hate Hmm. and you want to cause harm you want to hurt someone else because they have hurt you Uh that is obviously um, goes against the christian ethic which is that we are to forgive those who trespass against us right and that's something we have to resist uh, because it's kind of a natural thing if we've been hurt we want to respond by hurting the mm-hmm. other person. Restitution, on the other hand, is the restoration of justice. So when we've be hurt, been hurt by, by someone else, we, we do have a right to seek restitution for the harm that was done. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a clear example of this would be if someone stole money from you mm-hmm. or destroyed some of your property. Yes, there is a duty for that person, and, and one has a right to have that restored, okay. to, to get that money back. Right. Or even if it's the case of someone who's been wounded or, let's say, someone's been killed, how do you give restitution for that? Mm-hmm. That's very difficult because you really can't give full restitution when that kind of crime has, has happened. But there can be some restitution through, as you'll see, when there's money involved in a court case mm-hmm. to, to assist the family and all that. So that's a certain measure of restitution, but you really can never give full restitution when a person's been killed. Right. Punishment is allowable, obviously, uh, but again, it's what's the uh, goal of punishment? It should be more in the area of restitution rather than and not revenge. So obviously imprisonment is a form of punishment, but that also isn't just to mere punishment. We want the rehabilitation of the offender. Mm-hmm. You know, so the punishment shouldn't be merely punitive, but should also have a dimension 
of trying to uh, bring about that person's change of behavior, their repentance, you know, maybe being able to do some good as a way of, I don't know if I'd call it penance, but possibly that's a word, as a, as a way of um, trying to make up for the, the evil that they have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and all this is about justice, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about justice. Mercy is always part of our faith, that, that ju- the administration of justice uh, with mercy. So it's not just... Do those sometimes you know, oppose justice. each other? I mean, you look at uh, the Gospels and you see where the justice of God is always a merciful justice. Uh, he gives us time and opportunity to repent. Ultimately, God always wills the good of the person. And I think that's what we try to imitate. It doesn't excuse or make something that was wrong say, oh, that was okay. No, mm-hmm. that's not true justice. It's recognizing evil for being evil, right. but aimed at uh, the reform of the offender. Because we deserve justice, and God offers us mercy even when we don't deserve mercy. Correct. Right? Correct. And really, when you think about it, that's probably the hardest part of the Christian life is to imitate God's justice and mercy. We might have that uh, old idea of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Mm-hmm. And what does Jesus say? He talks about forgiving 70 times, seven times, he tells St. Peter. Yeah. He tells us to love our enemies and to pray for our persecutors. Jesus doesn't say that you just don't recognize or say that the sin or the evil doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, you know, it does matter. And, uh, but we should never despair of God's mercy, that there is always the opportunity for conversion. Because going back to the example of the thief, if somebody steals money from you, justice would require that they pay it back. Correct. Mercy might offer that they don't have to pay it back, so if, especially if they're not able to or, or something right. like that, right? Right. Like, Mercy would, would, would uh, yeah, if it's impossible for a person to pay the whole amount back, Mercy would say, okay, how much can you, mm-hmm. you know? Or the, the Les Mis example of the, the man who steals the sil- silver. Yes. Right? And the, is it a bishop says, no, I gave it to him. Yeah. Instead of getting yeah, in trouble. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's a great example. I love that musical. Okay. So, in summary, revenge is never acceptable. Restitution and punishment would be acceptable as long as they're done under the umbrella of justice. Mm-hmm. Could punishment and restitution potentially be revengeful? Yes. Where justice would never be revengeful. Justice is always good. Yes. Justice in the biblical sense. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that was a great little breakdown there. Because the the words seem very similar sometimes. And I think are maybe used interchangeably sometimes. Yeah. When we're talking about our justice system or whatever. Um, and, And maybe... Yeah, that's kind of well. Weird. Even our justice system. I mean, with Catholics, we always speak of restorative justice. Restorative um, justice. Mm-hmm. So, justice is aimed at the reform of the of the offender. Mm-hmm. 
it's not aimed at mere punishment, but also to to the reform of the criminal. Okay. Now, does that mean that there should always be the opportunity for, you know, we even have in our civil law, you know, clemency, mm-hmm. uh, which can be offered, especially when there's been a, a complete reform of a criminal. Uh-huh. You know, we see that the ability for the president, for example, to grant clemency. Right. So we even see that in the secular realm. Uh-huh. And that's a very Christian notion. Because right. clemency has to do with mercy. Yeah. Because they don't deserve it. Right. Necessarily. Right. right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bishop, for another great episode. Again, uh, links to past episodes on vaccinations will be in the show notes for this episode that you can find at RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. And before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.